0: We study God's Word together. We worship together. We fellowship together. We serve together. And so will you come? Will you come do this with us? Will you come and help the First Baptist Church of San Antonio be better together? If you would turn with me to our text for today, it's on your listening sheet, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 32. If you would find that and stand with me, we'll read it aloud together. This, then, is the text for today. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought ought to be to their husbands in everything. "'Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church "'and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, "'having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, "'that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, "'having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, "'but that she would be holy and blameless.'" So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason the man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church." May God bless the reading of His Word. Extra, extra, read all about it. For us, this is a line from a black-and-white movie. To my great-grandparents, it was a specific reality different from what we experience today. Back then, in the late 1800s, life was slower, but the news just kept coming as if it were an assembly line of tragedy being stamped out endlessly throughout the day. In those days, you would get a morning paper. You would read it with your breakfast and your coffee, and it recounted all the day's happenings from the day before. But every once in a while, Something so dramatic would occur that a special edition of the paper had to be printed at noon or two or whenever. And all the paper sellers would run to the curbs shouting extra, extra, extra news for everybody to read at lunch. It was exciting, though often tragic. You never knew what you were going to find in the extra editions. But the crying newsy got your attention with shouts of war. Or or better, he, he got your attention with shouts of peace. Now, we have our own muddied modern version of this. We scroll through our phones at breakfast or at lunch, looking at news apps. And what you see first is this same kind of grand cry to grab your attention a headline that's meant to just draw you in close so that you might click. These headlines are meant to steal your attention. And most always, the headlines fall flat. The headline writers, who usually differ from the author of the articles, those headline writers, they, they don't care about the article. All they care about are clicks. They will say anything to get you to click on an article. And as long as you click, they get the data point that they were longing for. Sometimes I I scroll through looking for the most absurd headlines and trying to guess which ones are trying to trick us. And unfortunately, you'll find that, that most people just read the headlines. Was it long ago, a headline said, that some 70 to 80% of people only read the headlines. (laughs) And that's what we do. We read through the headlines, and we make up our minds. We develop our arguments based on some convoluted headline meant to trick you into clicking. Now, I, I say this as a public service announcement, to read headlines with skepticism. Read the whole thing before you form an actual opinion. But our purpose here is not for news tips. Our purpose here is for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I mentioned the headline dilemma for this reason, because most of us treat Ephesians chapter 5 like the newspaper. We treat Ephesians chapter 5 like it has a single headline that we can't move past, that we grab a hold of the flashpoint, and our imaginations just spin out of control to all kinds of places. Extra, extra wives submit to your husbands. That grabs everyone's attention. And then people, without reading further, just start to debate and letting their imaginations run wild on what this must mean. And to some, they can read no further. They, they read something like that. Extra, extra wives submit to your husbands and, and just immediately proclaim the line is too far gone. How could God say something like this? And if God says something like this, I don't want anything to do with him. This person, starting at the headline without reading the article, imagines great abuse and the worst possible outcomes of that attention getter line. In their mind, it it becomes this controversy to undermine the scripture, a controversy to undermine the church. The difficulty, though, is it, it does go that way for some. There have been plenty of people who so have gotten to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, and they've used that line to demean and disparage their wives, trying to justify other kinds of actions. Men who don't know how to read the Bible Men who've read this phrase, wives submit to your husbands and used it as permission to mistreat their wives. You see, outside of the Holy Spirit, men read the headline and squeeze the life out of their wife. This is why we have to find the reality beyond the headline. What do I need to know? Where is this going? Where is this taking me? What is God teaching me in this moment? Because what most everyone has chosen to be the headline of Ephesians chapter 5 is a tidy truth that should be tucked away in paragraph 8 of an article. The content of this passage is not of wives. The content of Ephesians chapter 5 is of Jesus Christ and His church. This is what verse 32 is hinting at for us to remind us of that reality. You know, as we read the Scripture, there's a couple of rules that we need to be reminded of as we work through the text. For one, a single phrase or a single verse is a part of a larger section of Scripture. We always need to find the context of what this passage is talking about. And two, Scripture always comes comes back to the work and passion of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is not the center of the headline, you need to go back and find where Jesus is in the text. You see, even in the Old Testament, we see the preparatory work uh, leading up to the Christ. In the Gospels, we we see the incarnation of the Christ, and in the remainder of the New Testament reveals the work of Christ in his church. So when we come to a controversial line, like wives submit to your husbands. Let's look deeper beyond where the newspaper might go and find the reality. You know, a proper headline here would be something like, Jesus killed, saving the church, or something similar. As you work through this passage, Christ is primary. Everyone wants to make it about women and want them to be primary. But this passage is about Jesus. Evaluate the Christology here. If you fail to find Christ, you have failed in your evaluation of the text. When when you read extra, extra, and you have forgotten Christ, you cannot form an appropriate opinion. The discerning reader will read through verses 22 through 32 and see Jesus Verse 23, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Verse 24, Christ, or excuse me, the church is subject to Jesus Christ. Verse 25, Christ loved the church and Christ died for the church. Verse 26, Christ's death was to sanctify the church, to make her holy, to cleanse her, washing her so that she might be pure. Verse 27, with Christ the church is glorious, spotless, pure, holy, blameless. Verse 29, Christ nourishes and cherishes is the church. If you can't find Jesus in here, you're not reading well. This passage is about the Christ and who He is, Christ's work on the cross, and its present reality out of which we must read this text. There is no church without Jesus Christ. In fact, we exist only because of the work and the authority of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get sidetracked with other concerns. In fact, churches all the time find priorities beyond Jesus. But our work and our existence are completely bound to the work of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, the reality of Ephesians 5, to the reader, is unobtainable through the headline. It's like folks who, you know, read the headline and pontificate. Many people like to read verse 22 and jump on a soapbox and let us know what they think. Wives, submit to your husbands, and off they go like a town crier with unintelligible information. You cannot gather what God wants you to gather with the flaming phrase alone. What God wants you to gather is Jesus Christ first. See, the reality is, Is that the the reader is inextricably linked to who Jesus is. But if you only have that one line, if you only have the the headline here, you, you imagine that this text is about a husband and a wife. And that's not true. This text is about a husband, a wife, and Jesus Christ at the center. See, it's about this other one, the Holy One, and how every earthly relationship we have will wilt without Jesus Christ. And and if, if Jesus isn't there with us, if we are not serving and working under the authority of Christ, it all begins to deteriorate into nothingness. So when husbands read verse 22 and leave Jesus out, they're so disconnected from Scripture that every proclamation made is utterly sinful, words to be repented of. In fact, when husbands start to utter verse 22, those listening to the Lord will hear God say, keep reading, keep going, get to verse 25. There's a word for you too, keep Keep going. Read verse 25, read verse 28, read everything in between. You're not capable of having a conversation about verse 22 until you live out the rest of this. See, this passage is about your relationship with Jesus Christ much more so than your relationship with your spouse. See, what we recognize in this text and other texts that are like it is that when Jesus comes into your life, There are all kinds of changes. There are all kinds of unexpected changes and ways that begin to take shape in our lives. When you know Jesus, you begin to understand what it means to sacrifice. And, And when you come into a relationship with Jesus, he's going to teach you about sacrifice. He's going to teach you how to sacrifice for another. Because that is what he did for you. And and that's how this flows down. Jesus Christ is the example of sacrifice. And those that follow Jesus then will learn to sacrifice for the people that surround them. Those that are following Jesus learn to sacrifice for their family. Those that are following Jesus learn to sacrifice for their church. In fact, it's the same thing. When Jesus came, and when he came and he suffered for your sake, he suffered so that you might be saved, and he considered it all joy. One other thing Jesus teaches you is that you will endure hardship with joy because you have a distinct relationship with him. He, he teaches how, how you, you can give up heaven and earth for another person, how, how Jesus could, could give up that role of heaven To come down to earth to to bear the cross for you so that you might be saved. And when you come to know Christ, he says, I'm going to teach you how how to pick up that cross. I'm going to teach you how to deny yourself so that you can give up yourself for another. So that you would give up everything on this earth for another person because that's what Jesus Christ did. See, in these moments, Jesus is saying, I'm I'm teaching you how to be holy. I'm teaching you how to be more like me. And more like Jesus is sacrificial. More like Jesus is surrender. He says, those that follow me will sacrifice. Those that follow me will surrender. You know, in Christ, we read, Husbands, Jesus gave up his life for you. And in your marriage, he's teaching you about this eternal truth. Give up your life for your wife. So he's teaching you, he said you be ready to give up anything and everything for her, including your own life. Jesus died so that you might live. Care for your wife in that same kind of way. To die for her to protect her, to stand up for her. In verse 29, it it says that Jesus, He cherishes and He he nurtures the church. He calls husbands to do the same. Uh, Now, let me start here. So so husbands, have you you cherished your wife this week? Have you you nourished her this week? Now, these, these two words, they have this odd avian connotation. And, and the, the two words together mean something like this, for a bird to come in and build a warm nest and fill it with food. Now, maybe this week we read, build a cool nest and fill it with food. But what Jesus is saying, like the church, like the, the, the best father, bird on the planet, husbands. It is your role in Jesus Christ to cherish and nurture your wife. Are you doing that very thing? This is what Christ has done. Will you do similarly? Would you follow Jesus and become more like him this morning? until you do uh, verse 22 doesn't matter to you husbands this is about you connecting with Jesus in such a way that your life is transformed so that your actions towards your wife become holy now in the same way wives it is tempting to nudge your husband into nourishing you 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 cannot nudge nourishment See, this only comes from Jesus Christ. And in, in scripture, in, in a similar way, in talking to wives, it says Jesus is teaching you something. Remember, this is coming from the Lord. This is not just about marriage. This is, this is about spiritual things. And this is about your spiritual health, wives. And what we read in 22 is a reminder that this Christian life is about obedience. When when you become a Christian, it's about submitting yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and that you will follow Him unswervingly no matter where Jesus Christ leads you to go. And one of the places that Jesus is, is using To to develop this is in our marriages. And Jesus is reminding you of what it means to follow him. Respecting your husband, listening to your husband, submitting to your husband. These imperatives aren't about your husband. They're about submitting to Christ, about submitting to Scripture. This, This is about you establishing Jesus Christ as the Lord of your home. And so let's come back together. Let's not talk to husbands. Let's just talk to wives. But let's come together for both of you, both of us, in this text what we see is that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the home. Always. It is neither one of you but Jesus Christ alone. And you are following Jesus Christ into holiness as you are obedient to him. So when, when he says, um, husbands, uh, love, nourish, cherish your wife, it's about following Jesus into his holiness. When, 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 when he says, wives, submit to your husbands, this is about following Jesus into his holiness, into what he has up for us and in store for us. You know, if I wanted to, it'd be possible I could stand here and give a scathing review of modern wives based on verse 22. I could probably make the news for it. But that's not the heart of this passage. The heart of this passage challenges each and every one of us to submit to Christ and be transformed into His holiness. You see, wives submitting to their husbands is an outpouring of this reality. It it, it is a wife recognizing Jesus is my Lord, and so I will be with my husband. It's a husband recognizing Jesus is my Lord. I will sacrifice myself for my wife. I would die for her. It's an outpouring of the realities of heaven. But that isn't the headline. That's not what grabs people's attention. And when we think through these things, like wives submit to your husband, husbands cherish and nourish and love your wife, these really are more of an eventuality rather than a debate. Scripture is telling us when you walk with Christ, this is what happens. When you are near to Jesus... This is how your attitude changes. When you're near to Jesus, this this is how your behavior changes. You see, in Ephesians chapter 5, we learn that if you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ, life is going to change. Jesus is going to grow you up. And one of the best tools that Jesus has for growing us up is our marriages. And Jesus is going to use your marriage to teach you about sacrifice and submission. See, the reality is there's no way to understand sacrifice or submission without the work of Jesus Christ. In the incarnation, he became the example of sacrifice, in the incarnation, he became the example of submission and all the way through the text, and all the way through our lives, even when we are single, God continues to teach us about sacrifice and submission. Because it is God's work in the Spirit to align us with the ways of Jesus Christ. And the ways of Jesus Christ are sacrifice and submission. If you want your your life to be better together with your spouse, may we learn sacrifice and submission from Jesus Christ our Lord. If we want our church to be better together as a body of believers, may we learn about sacrifice and submission from our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he uses all kinds of ways to do this. He uses our marriages, and he uses little moments like the supper. So even in this, and deacons, if you would begin to prepare the plates for us, even in this, you see, Jesus is teaching us in our marriages, he says, husbands, let me teach you about sacrifice. He says, oh, wives, let me teach you about surrender. In all of this, he, he embodies these things. In fact, when, when we come to the cup, when we, when we come to the bread, it's Jesus reminding us of these things, of His sacrifice so that we might be saved. He's saying, you have no life apart from this sacrifice. And He's, as He taught the apostles and as He taught the early church, you need to remember this often. In fact, you need to know this. He said, I'm going to teach you these things as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup. I'm going to teach you about my ways. Same thing with submission. Jesus, when he um, came down, he descended onto the earth. He was submitting to the authority of his heavenly father, where he had a perfect place in heaven that he set aside so that he could come and suffer for your sake. And he said, I will submit to the ways of my heavenly father. And I'm going to follow him. Even as Jesus prayed that this cup would pass from him, he took that next step of submission and said, I will obey my heavenly Father and do as he has called me to do. Jesus, our perfect example of submission. And so we see that in our marriages, and we see that as we come to the table for this supper. And so, before the the deacons come and before they begin to serve you the bread and the cup, let us pray and let's prepare our hearts now for this meal that we're about to take together. Let's pray. Our Lord, we are grateful for your submission to your Father. Lord, we are grateful for the sacrifice. You giving up your body and you shedding your blood for our sake so that we might live. And Lord, we we pray that as we take of this bread and as we take of this cup, we'd be reminded the 2,000 years that the church has taken this together to remember that sacred work on the cross. point people to it, and to experience together, and to love you in and through this meal. And so, Lord, we, we pray that you'd prepare our hearts and prepare our minds, that as we take of this supper, we would experience Jesus and know the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.